Hello, everybody. I'm just going to share a verse with you this morning. Jesus calms the storm. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in a boat, just as he was. And other boats were, were there. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Good morning, everybody. It's very bright up here. I prefer to preach down there, but apparently I have to be on the camera, David said. It's so good to be here, to be preaching, to be speaking with you, sharing God's word this morning. Uh, for those of you who I may not have met, my name's Jen. I am the wife of Brett, and no, we didn't wake up this morning understanding that we were twinning. We have come with the same outfit on, so we don't always do that, but just want to apologise just in case you think we're a little bit creepy as a church, we don't generally twin, do we, hun? <laughs> I'm going to put that down. <laughs> ah, this uh, topic that, I know I say this all the time, but uh, I feel like the book of Mark, we kind of could stay focused on this all year. Some of these topics that we're looking at, including the power of Jesus or healing or... Um, they're big topics, right? And they're hard to get our head around sometimes. And I just want to start by confessing that I'm not an expert in this. Um, I've been a Christian since I was 16. Um, and I still have massive questions around how this act, how Jesus, the power of Jesus, interacts with um, the reality of our everyday life. But what I want to present today is um, this beautiful story that Donna just read in Scripture because I think there's so much in this story that provides for us such a beautiful glimpse into the love and the care of Jesus in our lives. And I did some research this week and I know that... Um, the Sea of Galilee is below sea level, and so unexpected winds and turbulence, even for fishermen, was, um, was not unheard of on this particular river. But before we start, I just want to invite the Holy Spirit to be speaking to you rather than my words today. I'm very aware that there's a lot of people in this community that are carrying some heavy burdens. And so my prayer today is that the Lord would be speaking to you first and foremost, that what I have to say and what I have to bring, some of the thoughts around uh, my journey would 
be a blessing to you. But my prayer has been this week that, that the Lord would be the one that um, speaks directly to your spirit and provides whatever you need today, whether that's encouragement, whether that's healing, whether that's a reminder that God has not forgotten you. So I want to start in prayer, and then I just want to take a moment for you just to read the scripture again. I want you to read it slowly. I want you to look at the words, at the phrases, at any words that may spring out to you this morning. And just allow the Holy Spirit to, to, to bring a word of encouragement or hope to you. So let me pray. Father, I just thank you for your love for us above all. And I thank you, Lord God, that your word says, Lord, you know every hair on our head. You know when we sit, when we stand, when we rise. You know our thoughts from afar. And Lord, today, I wholeheartedly believe that you know every need, every concern, every worry that we hold deep deep within our inner spirit. And so I pray, Lord God, to thank you that the word of God um, brings change and transformation. And I thank you for the gift of this timeless story. And so we invite you in this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would just speak into our hearts, that you would speak into us as a community, that you would speak to every individual here that you would bring healing or that you would bring, Lord, because you, know you know our needs. And so, Lord, I just pray and just give you permission this morning to move. In Jesus' name, amen. So, yeah, I'm just going to give you a minute. I've got the scripture um, on a PowerPoint slide. Hopefully it will come up. And I just want you to read through it yourselves or you can take whatever version that you prefer to read in your phone or wherever, and um, just take a moment, allow God to speak to you. Lord, I just thank you that you love us so much, that you are so kind and caring. And so, Lord, I just pray, God, that as I just share a few thoughts this morning, that the word or the phrase that's jumped out this morning to each person here. Lord, I pray that you would uh, remind each of us, Lord, that we are not alone no matter what we're walking through. I just pray, Lord, that you would just lead my words this morning. I pray, Lord God, for your promptings, our conversation in all that you do and all that you are doing in and through our lives, I pray, God, that your name would be glorified. Amen. I want to offer just a few thoughts this morning around my reflections on this scripture. And I kind of want to warn you because it is filtered. Most of my thoughts um, are not just only from my life experience, but they're also filtered through the work that I do with the persecuted church. And so when we're talking about a concept like the power of Jesus, I can't help but actually filter this story through the testimonies and the experiences of so many people around the world that I've met who have been persecuted for their faith 
in God and the lessons that they've taught me along the way. One of the biggest things I think about this particular passage of Scripture is that the power of Jesus is a demonstration of God's love. And it was a sign of the kingdom of God. It's not just an act of power, but it's the why behind it that we need to pay attention to when we read this story. It's a demonstration, I believe, of God's love and care, not just for the disciples that were in the boat with Jesus, but we read in that scripture that there were other boats as well. And what we learn or what I know from power, particularly in the church, is that we haven't always stewarded it well. Power without love is corruption, manipulation and control. So our interpretation of what the power of Jesus looks like has a significant impact on our lives and the lives of other people. Jesus' power and his power to work within us is actually a delicate topic and one, I think, that has sometimes been used to condemn and manipulate or shame. The power of Jesus surrenders to the truth of who God is and who Jesus is in this story. You see, Jesus calming the storm is not a story in isolation. Jesus' mastery over creation is another sign that he was the Messiah and is divine. Picking up some of the teaching that Jess did a few weeks ago on the connection between this story and creation. See, faith puts the demands on God and not on us. Faith is living and responding to life in a way that reflects that belief, trusting in the love, in the goodness and in the promises of God. Faith is not a leap in the dark, it's walking in the light of God's love. Faith in the character of God and not in our circumstances. Power is about surrender. Power is about our humility. The power of Jesus is actually offered as an invitation to you and me as an act of faith. We are given an invitation for the power of Jesus to be at work within us in every situation and in every circumstance. Faith is not something that we manufacture. The Word of God says that faith is something that we receive. We receive faith through our relationship, our surrender, and our trust in the character and the promise of who God is.
In 1 John 4:16 it says, "We have come to know and have believed the love of God which he he has for us." So faith is resting on the confident assurance that God is good and longs for us to experience this truth, convinced that he cares for you in every situation. This for me is the cracker. This for me, if I was going to put a highlight on this particular story, is where the, just, the disciples say, do you care for me? I don't know how many times in my ministry and the reality of working in a space of human rights abuse, I have asked this question time and time again. This idea that God is good, even when my situation and circumstances are making me most vulnerable, most frightened, and sometimes most shameful. I know I've shared this story before, but I can't not not share it today. So forgive me if I'm sharing it a second time. During COVID, I was leading one of the teams in the Middle East and I was leading them about the story of Jesus walking on water, a similar version of this story. And our country manager in Iraq, she said to me, you know, you know Jen, God's still good, even if Peter drowned. And I was like, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can have that faith. I don't know if I can hold on to the truth of who God is and what he's promised in the midst of feeling that vulnerable. But it's her truth because God is still good. God is still good in the midst of all of our circumstances. God is still at work in the midst of all of our circumstances. God is still working in what we perceive inactivity or silence because that's the truth of who God is. In Romans 4, he says from a faith perspective that Abraham was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. The character and the nature of God does not shift, it does not change. The God we serve is the God of the impossible. The challenge for me, and again this week, one of our team who have, was in the earthquake zone talked about surrendering to the breadth of what God is doing in and through our lives, picking up the beautiful and the broken parts of this reality that we find ourselves in called life. And life is not always rainbows and unicorns, even in the church. We struggle together, we love together, we cry together, we care for one another. And one of the things I think is the most powerful um, lesson I think I learned in the Middle East and the most 
tragic thing that came out of the ISIS invasion was the separation of community because in those cultures, everything's around community. So the separation and the isolation of all of these Christians that had now found themselves in a situation that was beyond their control. Years later, we hear of the testimony of the goodness of God despite the fact that there was pain, despite the fact that there was evil, despite the fact that everything was standing against them. God is still good. God is still outworking his plans and his purposes to weave all of that into the tapestry of his purpose, his plans that are good. But it doesn't take away the pain and we need to be careful how we steward the power of Jesus when we're communicating to other people. And one of the things that I found most fascinating in the work that I'm doing is that often I'll read scripture and they'll say, that's not what it says in Arabic. That's not what it says in Farsi. That's not what it says in French. And yet we have this idea that we hold on in our unconscious bias, this, this rigid idea of scripture. And when I really looked at this, one of my friends speaks Aramaic. And I started to be curious about if that was Jesus' language, Aramaic, I wonder what this particular verse is. And I'm not a scholar, so I do need to do some more research and ask my friend who actually speaks Aramaic. But what I found out is that this ye of little, ye of little faith was almost like a condemnation, right? So that's kind of what, what I had always interpreted it as, as being that this ye of little faith was something around something that I lacked, something that was shameful, something that was about my lack or capacity to believe, to enact something to happen. But when I look at that this week, I'm like, actually, that's not the character of God. It's out of whack with the fact that in my most vulnerable, in my most broken, in my most fragile times in my life, the tenderness and the kindness of God has been what I have needed to build my faith, to build my courage, to build and remind me of the promise of who God is because I can't see through the fog. I can't see through the challenges. I can't see to the next step of what I'm, where I'm going. But what I found out in the Aramaic is that it's just a statement saying that these young disciples are inexperienced, that they're being apprenticed. Completely different take on the tenderness and the kindness of Jesus in their most vulnerable and fearful moments. When I look at the impact of and have conversations with the impact of the, the teams and the people who had experienced incredible loss, gone through incredible trauma as a result of the earthquake this year, They don't need shaming or condemning because I promise you they're not superheroes. 
They're human like me. Of course they're scared. Of course they're frightened. Of course they're questioning, God, where are you in the midst of this? Because we have a crisis in the midst of a crisis in the midst of a crisis. But what is, what is astounding about this particular scripture is the promise of calm and peace, the presence of God outworking in and through their lives. And sometimes it's not instantaneous. It takes a worldwide community of prayer and people to come alongside them and to be able to declare the goodness of God in the midst of devastation. Our faith is collective. Our faith is individual, but it's also collective. And one of the things I found so beautiful, and I think the Psalms are up there on one of the other sides, is that also in this Psalm where it says, again, this is part of a bigger story. It's part of understanding how God is at work in and through this everyday occurrence of these fishermen. You rule the raging sea when its, when its waves rise and you still them. Psalm 107, 28, 29, they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he brought them out of their distress. He made the storm be still and the waves and the sea were hushed. I wonder if the disciples knew this scripture. A clue, a clue. So can I say to you today that if you're struggling and if the waves are crashing around you, God has not forgotten you. There's activity in the silence. If you are struggling and feeling incredibly vulnerable, God has not forgotten you. And he's not shaming you for your unbelief. He's in the boat with you. And he's walking with you. And he promises to take you by the hand and empower you and remind you of his power and his goodness and his work within you. He will strengthen you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He will give you hope and a future. It's his promise. He will do immeasurably more than anything you could ask, dream or imagine according to his power at work within your life. So in your vulnerability, in your humanness and in your brokenness and in your doubts and in your fear, Jesus is there. Jesus is walking with you. And Jesus will not leave you. And yes, like the disciples, Jesus cares for your every need.